With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So Join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the first ever NUFC blogcast. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode proper of the NUFC blogcast by nufcblog.co.uk. My name is Ed, your host, and I'm here today with Ollie Hawke, the editor of nufcblog.co.uk. Ollie, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. It's uh, good to get started. It's been a long time in the making. Yeah, it has. It has. And I think I'm excited to be on board. We're actually recording at like possibly the best time as a Newcastle fan in the last like two decades as uh, Liverpool have just just finished their game against Villa and they've dropped points. They got a draw 1-1 and what that means for Newcastle we'll discuss in a minute. But first of all, what's coming up this first week? We review the Brighton game and touch on Liverpool's result against Aston Villa today. We start Mike Ashley's paddling pool. The life and times of Mike Ashley are something a bit different. We answer questions from Twitter. We preview Monday's game against Leicester that now has something riding on it. A point takes us into the Champions League. So, yes, uh, thank you for joining us for this first episode. As I said, my name's Ed Gray. I'm going to be your host for the season. Uh, I've been following NUFC blog for a number of years and I've spoken to Ollie and others who are involved with the site. And they came to me and asked, would I do it? And I said, of course I would. Ollie, why don't you say who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I've been running NUFC blog for, I think, just over five years now, actually. Um, it started out just a bit of a hobby, and it was a bit surreal, really, to just be writing articles for a living, but then it turned into a an actual job. So, yeah, that's what I'm my full-time job now, writing articles about Newcastle. And like I say, it's, it's really improved over the years. We've gone from writing about relegation battles under Mike Ashley to the highs of how and new owners. So, yeah, it's... Uh, so, yeah, I run the blog on a daily basis, cover all of the news, opinion, 
gossip, all of that sort of stuff on social media too. So, so yeah, it's my full time job now, but it's it's not uh, bad job, is it? <laughs> no, no, I mean it's at the moment particularly. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, it was. I can't lie. It was. Some people said, "Oh, that's not a job." Writing about football can't lie. I was suicidal for about eight years doing it, but yeah, now it's uh, it's not not too bad, is it? Yeah, that's it. It's it's nice to be writing about positivity and having some actual ambition about the club and. Uh, but yeah, it's really good to be doing podcasts as well because I spend so much time just behind a laptop typing away and working in silence. So it's ni- nice to actually chat about Newcastle, not just type about it. So yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do that. I mean, I, we're going to touch on the Liverpool result that's just happened in a minute, but you were at the Brighton game. Uh, apparently the atmosphere, I wasn't, I didn't make the Brighton game. I did try and get tickets. Uh, I've got tickets to the Leicester game on Monday, but I wasn't at the Brighton game. Apparently it was like a, a cauldron at St. James's Park. Yeah, it was. I mean... I think the thing is with Newcastle, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, is often the fans feed off what the players give them. And I think the great thing about Newcastle on uh, in that game against Brighton was the fact that we pressed from the off. We didn't give them a second to settle into the game. Um, and it was already a massive game, a massive occasion. But I think the fact we started with such intensity really like pulled the fans in from minute one. Not that they needed any more reason to get behind the team, but but yeah, the way we approached it, it just set the right tone straight away. Yeah, and it's been like that all season, hasn't it? Snapping into games, making the first challenge, competing. It's amazing to see a Newcastle side that's actually kind of got a plan. You know, for the last 12 months, we've actually looked like a side that knows what they've been told to do rather than just a bunch of players that have been sent out. But yeah, what a result. You know, why did we doubt uh, going into that Brighton game? There was a lot of nervous fans and yet we absolutely stuffed them. I mean, to be fair, it was a weakened Brighton side, wasn't it? They, for some reason, made four, five, six changes. But um, but what a result. Yeah, 4-1. And that put us into a position after the Brighton game where we just needed one win from the last two. Uh, Leicester at home, Chelsea away. But, Ollie, we have just witnessed, uh, well, me on desperately sort of, uh, what's it called, um, refreshing BBC Sport to see the score. But Aston Villa have just taken two points off Liverpool uh, with a last minute actual, actually Liverpool equaliser. So why don't, you, why don't we just make sure we're all on the same page here? What does that mean for us, Ollie? Yeah, so the big thing about that, I mean, just to set the scene for anyone who didn't see the score, haven't followed the game, Villa actually were 1-0 up just before extra time. And just before 10 minutes of added time was announced at Anfield, shock horror, they were getting an extra 10 minutes to pull pull the game back. Um, yeah, Liverpool equalised. So Firmino got a goal back in the 90th minute, then 10 minutes of time were added on. They didn't find the winner. And in a way, it's disappointing for some fans because they were just waiting for the the Villa win, which would have guaranteed Champions League football before we even kick a ball against Leicester. But in reality, that, that draw isn't enough for Liverpool. I mean, yeah. the simple matter is now we've got to lose both of our final two games and at, we haven't lost back-to-back games in the Premier League all season. Um, and it's not just that, is it? It's um, we, we could lose, like, we, we, there's a seven-goal swing that needs to happen now. So we'd have to lose against Leicester, say, 3-0, against Chelsea, 4-0, and Liverpool would have to win their game 1-0, and that would that would do it. But anything less than that, we could still lose both games 1-0 and and get Champions League football, right? So it's basically... Yeah. I mean, can, can we say it's done, Ollie? Can we? I mean, I mean, if, if Eddie Howe heard anyone saying that, he would, you know what he's like. He, he would, he'll not yeah. be telling the players for a second to sort of take their foot off the gas. But in fairness, they won't. We know what the players are like. But um, yeah, like you say, that every single thing now is going into our favour in this last two games for us. We've got... Let's face it, two very beatable teams, Leicester looking down and out. I mean, they played Liverpool, what was it, last week? And as soon as they conceded, the heads went down. 
Mm. Even though even though they were at home, you could tell they just didn't have any belief, didn't have any leaders in there. And then if by some miracle Leicester turn up at St. James's Park and beat us, we're then going to have to lose against a Chelsea team who, let's face it, have been awful this Wo- year. And probably woeful, been... yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Woeful. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be... It's, I saw someone tweet saying, you know, uh, on, on Monday, if we beat Leicester, we're going to get Champions League football. Leicester are going to get relegated. And James Madison, Harvey Barnes, these players we've been linked with are going to be standing there thinking, do you know what? <laughs> I know which club I'd rather be at. Um, yeah, that's that's it. I mean, it was interesting to see Dan Ashworth at the, the Leicester-Liverpool game last week, actually. I mean, there was a few people on social media saying, oh, he was probably doing their, doing some scouting work. Not sorry, not scouting work. Some uh, assessing Leicester because we've obviously got them to play, but he, he doesn't do that. He's definitely there yeah. checking players out and probably making contact and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's actually going to be interesting to see how they actually play in such a big game for Leicester as well because there's been some people aware of how good Madison and Barnes are from like a technical point of view. They're obviously talented players, but particularly Madison, I've seen a few a few fans on social media doubt just quite how much he's he's got into the relegation battle at Leicester and he's let his head drop. And obviously Eddie Howe's Newcastle, that's the last thing we want, players who don't don't put in a shift. So I don't think he's, I personally don't think he's one of them that downs tools, but it'll be interesting to see how he actually sort of, what sort of fight he puts up um, yeah. on Monday because they're going to need it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the, there's three players that jump in my mind that could come to us. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves. But I think this is a quick discussion. Let's not talk, talk about transfers yet, but Madison Barnes and Tielemans is the other one, but he seems to have downed tools a bit. Um, but three, obviously, clearly quality players, but yeah, I think Tielemans has downed tools, hasn't he? Definitely, yeah. I mean, again, we won't go into this in too much depth, but I, I question if, if he's mobile enough, to be totally honest, to be playing in our midfield. When you, when you say the way Joe Linton Bruno and Longstaff oh, and Joe, all of Joe them. Linton against Brighton. It was so good. I love, he's he's quickly becoming one of my favourite ever Newcastle players. I just love it when he smashes and he's so much stronger than everyone. He's like a, oh, a he's like an oak tree. Like he just, <laughs> there was a bit where he was um, second half on the left side of the box attacking and there was three Brighton players trying to wrestle the ball off. He kind of just floored them all, got through, oh, he ended yeah. up committing a foul, but it was just, it's, it's, he's like a man mountain. Talking of fouls, that, I don't know if you saw this stat, but apparently he's become the first player in 13 years to make eight fouls in a Premier League game without being booked. So he's just a, he, what a legend! What yeah, a, what I a record! That. <laughs> Does that come with a trophy? Does that come with a trophy? <laughs> well, it's it's come with him without him. Um, it's come with him avoiding suspension actually, because I think he, I might be wrong here, but I think he's two away from 15 yellows, and I don't actually know what this is, what the sort of punishment is for. 15 yellows, but it, it, I'm Prison. sure there must be one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Steve Bruce back as Newcastle manager. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, he's breaking all sorts of records. All the he ones, is. you know, there's, there's for me, just to finish this, finish this little bit off, for me, a last minute goal is obviously like the height of football. But for me, the best thing is when a player just clatters into someone fairly and the whole crowd roars and it just gets everyone on, on their feet. I'd, Oh, brilliant. I've got a question just to um, talk about, you know, the Leicester game. We could talk about the Leicester game and preview it. I mean, essentially, the situation is we need a draw, gets us into the Champions League. But I think Eddie Howe's going to approach it, wanting to get get a convincing win. We'll come back to that in a second. But here's a question I saw on Twitter. If you could choose any person to score a last minute, say, equaliser in the 95th minute for Newcastle on Monday, who would you choose? You know, I saw that question and I actually put a few responses in there and I have different reasons for all of them. So I'm sitting on the fence, but I I can give my sort of my views on each. So I think in a way, Joe Linton for the turnaround and it would just, 
he's, he's obviously a contender, I think, for player of the season. And I think for him to get the goal, if this was to happen, would almost be the icing on, a cake, on the cake for, for what he's achieved over the past 18 months. Yeah. Then I also think Elliot Anderson with Joe Willock, let's be honest, out for the season now with a hamstring injury. I'm pretty certain Elliot Anderson's going to come into the team and he was denied a perfectly good goal at Nottingham Forest a few months ago and mm. he's a local lad. It would be his first Premier League star. If he could if he could do something like that, that would be... Can you just imagine what that would mean oh, to him and his family? Um, and then I guess the other option could be someone like like Trippier. I think, yeah, personally, he's just... Well, he was the first one, wasn't he? He was the sacrificial lamb who came first and thought was the risk, you know. It was a real risk for him to come and he still came. I know it worked out for him in terms of financially and he was back in the north of England where his family are from Burnley or something, aren't they? Manchester, whatever. So I know it worked out for him, but he was the first big name to come. I'll tell you who I'd choose. I'll tell you who I'd choose. Go on. I'd, that is corner, right? 95th minute, we need an equaliser. Jamal Lascelles, stonking header. Oh. And he just he just runs off the pitch down the tunnel. We never see him again. He chucks his captain's <laughs> armband back onto the pitch as he leaves and just applauds all the fans. And not because I wanted to leave, but just because, I mean, how he has been someone who hasn't moped at all about being on the bench. He's received two yellow cards from off the pitch. He's still the club yeah. captain, technically. I'd love it if he scores the goal to get us in the Champions League and then just kind of vanishes from, you know, just an absolute legend. It'll be brilliant. You know, when you said that a, a last minute corner, I was um, I was imagining Nick Pope coming forward and smashing one. Uh, yeah, that would be good. I did see someone said that. That would be very good. Nick Pope, crikey. Right, we're now going to do something we're going to do every week, which is um, it's a section called Mike Ashley's Paddling Pool. And it's the life and times of Mike Ashley. It's all 100% true. And it's the story of his life, really, and how he came to own Newcastle and how he was such a successful owner, as we as we know, balancing the books and putting us on sound financial footing. So here's the first episode. But we now need to bolt the horse on, and we're going to. Mike Ashley was born on the 9th of September, 1964, in Walsall, Staffordshire. His parents were so proud of the portly baby they had produced, they vomited into their fireplace to celebrate. This was a Ashley family tradition that would resurface in later life for Mike. There are a great many legends and myths about the young Mike Ashley. Did he really fire his nanny at age two? Was he really obsessed with oversized mugs from the age of four? Who knows? What we do know is when he joined the local nursery, Mike Ashley is reported to have said, one day I'll be king of the world. Well, I mean, this was either Mike Ashley or Boris Johnson. We're not quite sure which. Ollie, if you were Eddie Howe, how would you approach the Leicester game then? Because obviously, do we do we just... I saw someone on Twitter. Again, we're always going to reference Twitter. But it's just funny, isn't it? I saw someone tweet, let's just take it into the corner from the first minute and get a nil-nil. Like, obviously, we're not going to do that. But how how would you approach it? I mean, I think, to be honest, the way we set up against Brighton, I think, sums up the way we need to attack the last few games because I said to my dad and brother just going into the game, I, I wondered whether we were going to put men behind the ball, look to counter, sort of stay solid, because I know recently we haven't been keeping the clean sheets we were earlier in the season. And like I say, I wondered against Brighton whether we'd show them a bit of respect, put men behind the ball and hit on the counter. And the fact we did the very opposite and got so much success, I think, says a lot about how's kind of aggressive, bold approach. And I think... The way we've been built this season is by high pressing, intensity, aggression, sort of just a real intensity about our play. And I think if we if we didn't adopt that against Leicester on the basis that we only needed points, we'd be losing everything that 
we love about the team and the, the reasons why we've been so good this season. So I think it's got to be a case of um, attacks, the best form of defence, really. I mean, if you look at how many goals Leicester have been conceding, um, I mean, their last away game, if I'm right, right in saying this, they were against Fulham, who've been on the beach now for a few weeks and Fulham scored five goals. So mm. I think it's got to be, uh, it's got to be just getting at them from the first minute. And like I say, if we got an early goal, based on the way they reacted to Liverpool uh, last week, the heads would drop and the atmosphere would would lift up another notch. So, I think it's just got to be just go for the go for the throat, really. And I'm yeah, sure we I will. I I can't wait. It's going to be such a good atmosphere because either I mean I can't see us not getting a draw. It would be I mean catastrophic to lose at home against Leicester when we've hardly lost at home all season. <laughs> Twitter questions. Let's do some Twitter questions, shall we? So each week we're going to post a tweet on the NUFC blog uh, or the blogcast Twitter, either one, uh, just asking what your questions are this week. We've got four good ones we're going to discuss this week. There were others, but we've moved them into other weeks. Um, so first one, what do you think to this? I've got an answer in my head, Ollie, but um, how many players, this is from Jamie Elliott. Thank you, Jamie. How many players do we need in the summer to challenge on four fronts? So regardless of whether it's Champions League or Europa League, where do we need to strengthen? How many new players do we need to add to our squad to be going Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, yada, yada, yada? I mean, I think there was actually some really like telling comments from Eddie Howe in his pre-Leicester press conference about rotation and how that's going to be a, a far bigger factor next season. I think this season we've probably used a core group of about 15, 16 players in terms of a consistently playing. Yeah, um, And in that press conference, Howe mentioned that he, he almost needs two starting 11s of the same quality, which I thought was quite a telling comment. So I think if we're going on the basis, we've got about 15, 16, who he seems to trust at the minute. I, I think it's fair to say we need another six or seven, really. And and mm. uh, it's not just numbers, though, is it? It's it's kind of looking at players we've got away with playing this season, who, let's be honest, we couldn't probably get away with if we were playing Real Madrid at St. James's Park next season. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean? Who, I mean, I, Go on, name names. I, I don't think Jacob Jacob Murphy skips past uh, a Camavinga or yeah. <laughs> maybe I'd love Dan to see Burns. it though. I would love to see oh, it. <laughs> I mean, saying that, I, I think this is the this is the difficult bit. I he think, could be a good squad player, you know, well, Jacob Murphy. It. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? We've we've got we've we look at some of these players and we kind of remember them as the players they were before how came in. And there's yeah. so many success stories now that when I think of someone like a Jacob Murphy. My my thoughts generally were he doesn't get enough goals, doesn't get enough assists, and really without good management, would he be a Premier League player? But he's actually kind of turned into one because of how. So you never actually know how far these players could go. It's just, and and I think as well, how will want to actually, uh, what's the word? You want to actually give these players a chance at that level because they've got us to, to where we are now. So mm. I, I don't see. I mean, I think we will starting to say left back. I think we will bring in another another left back this summer. But I don't think this will suddenly be the end of Dan Burnham. There's a lot of fans who say after the the Arsenal game, after the Leeds draw, they were like, "Oh, you might be from Blyde, and you might be six foot seven, and this this and that." But we need to replace Dan Burnham. How won't be as cutthroat as that in the summer? I think there'll be some who are moved on, and rightly so. But I think for me, I think it's I think it's sorry to interrupt, but I'm just going to say in my head, I've just been thinking while you've been talking. We need left back. We need a yeah. right sided centre back to either replace Shah or be just behind Shah. We yeah. need a right back who is going to be behind Trippier, a young one probably, but who is going to grow into that role as Trippier gets older. It's funny. Sorry, I was just going to mention that. It's interesting because I've I've thought to myself as well that the gap between Trippier and the the next in line there is massive. But then when we, talk, when we talk about a right back, a young right back who can come in and be an understudy and, and learn, 
from Trippier. We ha- we signed Harris and Ashby in January, and it it seemed like he was brought in as that player. But we just haven't seen anything, him, have we? We haven't seen anything. Yeah. So I, I really wouldn't be surprised if one of Kraft and Mankio gets moved on. And mm. who knows, even a, an Ashby gets a loan move. And then, as you say, another one comes in at right back who can yeah. who can make up for the fact we'd be so much weaker without Trippier. And let's face it, he is getting older as well. So there's that. Yeah. Well, that's three. Another centre mid we need. A right forward we need to play behind Almiron or ahead of Almiron. And yeah. another striker, probably. So that's six. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was, yeah. I was just saying to my brother at the game against uh, Brighton that since we've sold Chris Wood, we and obviously there's been times where Isaac's played on the left as well. We haven't really got an option to come and replace Wilson if we want to keep Isaac on the left or anything like that. So I think we definitely need another option up top. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's a versatile striker we bring in um, who can also play wide. But I think, yeah, six or seven and all the positions you've mentioned. I mean, there's, I'd, I'd say there's a potential for two midfielders, really, because we always play a three in midfield. Mm. Um, and as you've seen at the minute, as soon as Longstaff's out, we can't afford one of Bruno Willock or or Joe Linton to get an injury. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we're we're down to either an Elliot Anderson who maybe isn't naturally a central central midfielder, and we have to or, or, or we'd have to move the change the formation, which which isn't ideal. Yeah. Okay. So Jamie Elliott, that's your answer. Six or seven, and some explanation. Next question. Given this is from Charlie Bennett, if any of you know him. Given NUFC have punched above their weight this season, what do you think the aim or aims should be next year? Ollie. Yeah, I think this is a tough one, isn't it? Because naturally, if we do secure a top four finish, people will want just progression after that. And progression would mean maintaining a top four spot or even, well, I'm not going to say pushing for the title. I think I think everyone has to agree that's going to be, it's a different level. One thing getting top four, it's a different level competing with the, the, the Man Cities of the world. But Yeah, Man City just look imperious. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so I think naturally there, there's going to be a demand for another top four finish. But getting a top four finish while also competing in Europe for the first time in uh, 10 years is tough. I mean, yes, we've got the ambition and the finances to actually build the squad and sign good players, but just look at the way like a Leicester or West Ham have sometimes struggled to cope with playing on a a midweek at a weekend, midweek at a weekend. It's, it is a lot. And I think if you mix in with that, the intensity of our style of play, we're going to pick up injuries. I think that's, well, it's not guaranteed, but if, if it's not injuries, there's going to be a lot of fatigue there. So if we're also looking at a lot of rotation, sometimes if the if this starting 11 isn't consistent every week, it's hard to be consistent with your results. So I think it's going to be really challenging next season. And I reckon we have to like manage those expectations because I'll be brutally honest, if someone gave me fourth next season right now, I'd snap your hand off for it. I think that would oh, be... 100%, yeah. This is the issue, isn't it? Up. Yeah, you're right. We think progression. There'll be some. There's there's stupid fans in every fan base, isn't there? And there'll be some Newcastle fans who think, but if we finish third, oh, next season we've got to finish second. And if we finish fifth, then it's like awful. Well, yeah, we could be. We've got to make sure we don't get too ridiculous next season. You know, I think pro pro. If we if we do qualify for the Champions League, which looks like we're going to, I think progress next season will be challenging to finish top four again. Yeah. D- d- competing in the group stage of the Champions League against these big, big clubs, not necessarily yeah. even getting through it, but competing, not 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 falling by the wayside. And then hopefully, I mean, obviously doing well in another cup run again, League Cup, FA Cup, something like that. Um, but also, I guess, uh, progressing in terms of really strengthening our squad for the future and in, in its depth. That's obviously progression as well. So, so yeah, it's an interesting one. It's a really interesting one. Thank you, Charlie Bennett, for that. I completely agree with what Ollie said. I, I think it's yeah, I think it's those things. Uh, we've got two more questions. One is a very quick one. 
Natasha NUFC says, discuss how Dan Byrne came to be so handsome. Um, I don't want to talk, talk to you about the birds and the bees, Natasha, but there's a biological element, but also he uh, was born in Blythe. So, and joined the Royal Navy. Uh, no, but he was born in I Blythe. I mean, to be just a, a comment on that. Um, my wife generally doesn't like football, but since she met me, she's getting more and more interested. I can't lie. Her interest has peaked. Now we've got money and we're good. I can't lie. Yeah. That's definitely helped. But... My wife's interest is still absolutely zero, but carry on. All right. Okay. Well, I'm, I think I'm making more progress there. <laughs> But yeah, she she often picks out the the players she likes the look of. I think that helps her interest in watching the games. And she mm. told me uh, a couple of days ago that yeah, I like Dan Byrne. Not for how well, good he is. Is, is your but... wife's Twitter account Natasha Nufc? Is your wife called Natasha? No, she's called Emily. Oh. So she, Dan oh. Byrne has another fan. <laughs> there you go. There's his two fans. Let's start the Dan Byrne fan club. Well, um, yeah, I think Dan Byrne's gone under the radar. Like um, Fabian Charles. Yeah, in terms of looks, that's what I thought you were talking about football. You're still talking oh, no, about looks, aren't you? Sorry, carry on. <laughs> we're still on looks. This is the section of the podcast where we talk about how good looking our team is. I mean, did you see that picture of Callum Wilson and Fabian Shah coming off the pitch? Yeah, Crikey. honestly, I, that was uh, that was a sight to behold, wasn't it? It was. Um, uh, right, last question. And I've got a bit of a confession on this one. Someone has said, would Kieran Tierney be a good signing or is he too injury prone? Now, my confession is I, I haven't got a huge Twitter, but I, I posted a joke post the other day uh, off, off the back of a conversation with a Newcastle fan friend, I pretended to be like Fabrizio Romano. So I, uh, so I said, um, you know, Kieran Tierney deal is done. Here we go. Great signing. Thinking I might get six or seven likes as a joke um, sort of thing, like usual. Um, unfortunately, it's been viewed two and a half million times. And now major news outlets are suggesting that the deal is done. And I actually genuinely think it's off my tweet. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I haven't got any ITK knowledge. It's just, I thought he would be a good signing. I mean, would he be a good signing? I think the only issue with Kieran Tinney, I always, whenever he plays, I think quality player, and we're clearly looking for a left back. Is he too injury prone? It's interesting this because I was chatting about Tierney with someone a few days ago and they actually mentioned to me this, I won't name who it was, but it was actually a journalist who we sometimes speak a little bit to for exclusives and things like that. And he actually said, I was a big fan. He actually wanted to sign Tierney during his time at Bournemouth when Tierney was at Celtic. But apparently this time around, like I say, Howe's interested, but he's a little bit wary of the price tag based on his injury record, which is fair enough. Mm. Um, but on that, I then had a little look at like Tierney's season this year. And yes, he's played back up to Zinchenko and he hasn't, played a great deal of football, but I had a look and he's actually been in their squad 37 game weeks of 37 so far this season. So he hasn't actually, Premier League-wise, been missing out. He hasn't been obviously in the team much, but he's been fit. But there obviously is a history there, which you can't ignore. Um, and then you obviously factor in... So it's just been Zinchenko keep, keeping him out, essentially. Yeah, exactly. That's really... An, uh, I, but then but then the fact he hasn't played a great deal of football, he has an injury history and he'd be coming into a team where you'd expect high intensity performances and bombing up the, the line. Would he be, would his body be able to hold up with a, a sudden going from a season where he's been on the fringes to suddenly, like I say, giving 110% every week. But uh, I think as a player, I'd, I really would like him. I think, I think he's actually a bit of a leader. I know he's been Arsenal's vice captain at spells, I think over the last few years. And he, he's worn the armband at Celtic in Scotland before and, like I think he's gunning both uh, both sides of the pitch. I think he can defend, but also where Byrne struggles to sort of carry the ball forward and maybe go on the overlap to to the winger. I think Tierney can do that. So I think a fit Tierney very is, is is a great signing. But you you would naturally be taking a bit of a risk there. I think with his with his injury history. So that's 
I think that's one to weigh up and maybe one where if we could get him for a, on a slightly cheaper deal based on his the injury reservations and it would maybe make sense then. It's now time for a section of our show that I'm calling FYI Man. Maybe you should say that with your Geordie accent. I, I am from Newcastle, I was born there, but I do not have a Geordie accent. Can you say FYI Man? FYI Man. There we go. And this is where we do, I, I might come up with a fact. I might come up with a quiz question for you. The question for you today, Ollie, I'm going to put you on the spot. Don't worry, we'll edit it out if you make a fool of yourself. Uh, no, we won't. We'll definitely keep it in. We'll put it as the trader or something. Um, I'm going to name a series of clubs. And it's not necessarily in the order that this player played for these clubs. But it is a Newcastle player. And you've got to tell me who it is. So don't answer straight away if you know, Ollie, because we want a listener to play along as well. Got you. But here we go, okay? So it's not again, it's not necessarily in order. Liverpool. Blackburn. Man City. Norwich. Newcastle. Cardiff. Think about that. A lot of clubs there as well. There'll be people screaming, screaming into their phones, wherever they're listening, however they're listening, in their cars, on their commutes. I'll say them again, slowly. Liverpool. Blackburn. Manchester City. Norwich. Newcastle. Cardiff. Now that Cardiff one might be a bit of a claim. I think... It's Craig Bellamy. And at this point, I'll add in some in post-edit. Uh, bing! Well done. You played that perfectly, yeah, might thanks. I say, because you kind of didn't get it straight away so others could have played, and you left it a good amount of time and then answered correctly. Well done. I'll have another one of them in the FYI Man next next week. But as well, uh, what I want to do in FYI, man, is maybe offer you a little tidbit, uh, you know, a piece of information. Did you watch the coronation, uh, Ollie? Uh, unfortunately, my grandma had it on. I didn't, I didn't really want to, but it was on. <laughs> Don't worry. It's nothing to do with whether you're, you know, pro-monarchy, anti-monarchy, just okay. Uh, you would have noticed that, that a piece of music came on that I'm actually going to start playing now in post-edit. I'll put it here, right? And this piece of music, a lot of people said, it's the Champions League music. It's the Champions League music. Okay. Now, the good thing about this music that's now playing behind us in post-edit is um, it's it's royalty-free. It's, it's, it's run out of copyright, so we can use it, right, in the podcast. The actual Champions League music, we can't. However, the interesting thing about it is the English composer who made the Champions League music, in fact, let me just Google it again, uh, he used this music called Zadok the Priest that's used in the coronation as inspiration for his, which is why it sounds similar. So uh, why am I telling you all this? A, because we're nearly in the Champions League and I wanted to play this music, but B, because it was in the news very recently. I mean, imagine, can you imagine the Champions League music playing at St. James's Park next season? In fact, if, it, if against Leicester, it hits full time and we've got the result, screw any of the other songs they usually play. Let's just blast the Champions League music out. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think I think Hey Jude should definitely be uh, replaced with that. I think I'm, I'm all for that. <laughs> And oh. Jamal Lascelles heads it in in the 94th minute for a one-all draw and we secure Champions League football. I'm running on the pitch if that happens. Yeah. 
I, can't, I just can't wait. Honestly, I can't, I can't believe we're even having this conversation. Hang on, yeah, so it was made by Tony Britton in 1992. It was adapted from uh, Handel's song, Zadok the Priest. So that's why people thought it was the same. So if you did think it was the same, it's not, but it does sound like it. So do you know what we're going to do? I'm going to say a few bits, and then we're going to end the pod with that music. Is that all right, Ollie? Sounds good to me. Great. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. Thanks, Ollie. Uh, please do a few things for us. Five star this podcast and where, however you're listening. You leave a review, subscribe, follow us, contribute some questions. Um, we do have a couple of things you can you can get involved with. We've got a new newsletter that's going to be going out. You can sign up with the link below in the bio. And we've also got a Bruno Gimarish competition. Ollie, do you want to tell people about that? Yeah, so we've got a, a signed Bruno Gamara shirt and we've got a competition running on our Twitter and Facebook page. I think all the details, well, all the details will be in the uh, in the post. I would be worried yeah, if they, they weren't. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a good opportunity to get that and we'll be announcing the winner of that. When is that, Ed? You, uh, yeah, you... so we're going to, our next podcast will be Tuesday probably after Monday. We're obviously both, I think we're both at the game. Are you going to the game? Yes, we'll be there. Great. I might see you. Uh, and then we'll record probably on Tuesday and release that maybe Tuesday afternoon or something, something like that. But we'll announce the winner then. If you've got any questions, email. We've got an email, nfcblogcast at gmail.com. That's below as well. Thank you very much. Let's end on this beautiful, beautiful music that isn't the Champions League music, but does sound like the Champions League music. Let's go. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.